So if you can start with, uh, what do you think the main difference between doing theater acting and film and TV acting is, in your opinion? Difference between film and TV and theater. I think it's more the process surrounding it that is the main difference. I mean, at the end of the day, at the core, your objective as the actor is to create some level of truth um, within the story no matter what the format is. The format itself just ends up taking um, like how much you put in, like in terms of if, if you look at like a sitcom, right? A sitcom is probably as close to theater acting as you would get the emotion. The stakes are just different. You know, certain things are much more allowed to occur. There's certain emotions, certain gestures that um, can be a little bit bigger within a sitcom and still be held as truthful. Um, Whereas in theater, you know, some of those gestures have to be big solely because you have to make sure that the person in the back row is still obtaining the same, still receiving the same story um, that the person in the front right. row is, no matter, you know, whether or not they can see every single minute facial expression. And then when you get into things like, you know, one hour dramas or, you know, whatever the case, whether it's, you know, not sitcom TV, you know, there can be a different rule set there. But I would say that most TV and most film, it's more about relying on the fact that the camera is already at your eyes and that everything just has to scale back. Everything just has to rest within. Um, I had a teacher um, at SCAD, Professor Prosky, and he always talked about um, uh, how, you know, there's intern, like inside storm, outside peace and calm. Um, butchering that quote, but... Uh, it's just it's just trusting that what you're thinking about, the work that you've done is already being presented in a way um, because the camera is coming to you and it will be captured. You only have to do it one time. Whereas something like a sitcom, you have to be able to repeat it. And particularly with theater, I mean, particularly on Broadway, you have to be able to do that eight times a week, right? So there's also a difference in the fact that, you know, when I, like I've worked on some short films in which there's a big emotional scene and you only have to do that one time. So I just have to get myself to that place right then and there. And as long as the cameras are moving, it'll be captured, right? But with theater, if there's a huge emotional monologue that is being called for, where there's a certain set of, um, you know, things within stage directions that are calling for, maybe it's, you know, a lot of anger or a lot of sadness or whatever it is, however that is manifesting itself within the piece or however you've worked with it with the director, you have to be able to step into that place. And for me, that just means that you're having to build yourself a steady path. Uh, Image-wise, um, line-wise, there's, there's steps that you're trying to make so that you can get there every single time. Whereas with film, I think sometimes with the chaos that a set can be, Sometimes it's just like, okay, whatever it takes to get myself there. Go, 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 go. Um, Do you think it st stays more truthful with film and TV because you have to get through that emotion and that scene once? So it's more of a unique experience. Whereas for theater, as you say, you'll have to repeat the same thing on and on, depending on the number of shows that there are. So how would you describe the difference in those? Sometimes when people do something on and on and on, it becomes more mundane. It's still special to you, but it's like part of a routine that you are more used to. Uh, but I'm sure it's like having even that first 
on stage performance the first time you do it the first, and over time with theater you're able to perfect it more and maybe you don't like a certain thing you're able to improve on that and build on that um but i wonder if with bigger moments how actors are able to still keep that moment special to themselves as well uh, because as an actor sometimes you know you may have a really crappy day and it might be your fourth month doing a show you may not feel that certain way that because you're doing it every day um but you do it hopefully if you're a capable actor um but I wonder how that affects performance or your mindset performing that huge emotional scene that requires um, more uh, more of a believable portrayal of what you're going to as that character. Um, I think, again, with process and with everything else, for everybody, it's my opinion that Everybody has their own process. Everybody has their own different way of going about it. As long as you're able to go about that in a healthy way that you're able to come out on the other side, you know, people are going to respond to different things. But for me, what I'm always constantly trying to remember with theater in particular, in terms of what your question is of being able to do it again and again, keeping it fresh, is that you are going to have off days. You are definitely going to have days where you're thinking more about the dinner that you have planned after the show than you are about that thing and it's remembering that in that audience most of those people if not all those people are going to see it for the first and only time right yeah and that that is catch to there's like two sides of that one side is it is a reminder of how important that performance is and for me it's it's it reminds me of the holiness of that of the you know the uh the impact that that can have it also reminds me that yeah sometimes i'm gonna go out there and be like yeah that was shit i i didn't feel like i connected mm -hmm. that i didn't really feel like i was i was as emotionally there or physically there or whatever the case may be but i've had too many times <laughs> you know where i've walked off and been like that was the best fucking performance that i've ever had in my entire life and somebody comes up and was like yeah it seems like you're kind of calling it in and then, you know, I've had another day where I was like, oh, that was terrible. And somebody comes up and is like, I have not been moved more in my entire life. It's remembering that no matter what process you are, I mean, in film, but even in theater too, like everybody is doing their part to create a piece of art, right? A Something that can be replicated or presented in such a way that is specific to all the collaborators' vision. But at the end of the day, once you hand it off, it's done. Like you're your interaction with that piece kind of ends right there. And it's living in that space to say that it's okay to let it go because I don't get to decide how my art is perceived. I don't get to decide what you take away from it. Um, you know, my big moment may be the last thing that you consider or the part that you fell asleep during, you know? Um, it could not even be my character. Like it could be a whole different part. The lighting in that scene woke me up to this whole nother thing because of my background in history. So I, I can't control any of that stuff. So then at the end of the day, it's like, how can I walk into this space as healthy as possible to be able to do that craft? And honestly, that comes from just a lot of the prep work and a lot of the day-to-day. -day. That's meditating, that's doing yoga, that's working out, that's, you know, 
for me, it's imaging the lines, you know, really making sure I'm off book, you know, doing all that stuff so that when it comes time to step on stage, step in front of the camera, all I have to do is just start. And once you start, as long you know, you're responding and you're giving and hopefully it goes, you know, based off what you've worked on the down the path that you've set. Um, but how that path is perceived kind of steps aside. So that's kind of like a long around way of saying, yes, sometimes it isn't always fun, but at the end of the day, that moment in that time is wholly unique for each individual audience and then each individual person too. And so to remember that I had a, uh, a director that used to say in the audience, you know, somebody will be seeing the first performance of their life and some people will be seeing the last performance of their life. And that, that, of course, some people can take that and say, oh, that's kind of a Debbie Downer way to look at like, oh, God. And sometimes you can't necessarily live up to that grandeur every single time. But it reminds you how important each piece of the puzzle is. If the lighting guy, the you know sound woman, whoever it is, like whoever's working on the project, if everybody's not there and not working together, then we can't necessarily do the thing that we're wanting to do. But when an entire crew, when an entire, you know, ensemble is is presenting this thing together my my piece is just one piece and that um it reminds you of the importance of that but it also remembers reminds you to just let it go and to just do what you what you've worked on yeah i mean in life in general it's good to find ways to motivate yourself and sometimes that can be difficult but when it comes to uh what we were talking about it's good to think of ways to higher the stakes for yourself um just to remember why what you're doing is still special because we can get stuck in things and forget and be like, oh, this is like the 200th time I'm doing this. What's so special about this? So no, I think that's a that's a good way to look at it. Also, this is kind of a tangent, but I've... So there is one theater, um, one Broadway show that I've been to multiple times. Mm. Um, and... The first time that I saw it, I loved it. And the the main, uh, the leading role was performed by this person who is well-known, but not huge, huge. And then the second time I saw it, it was performed by someone who is huge and super well-known in the Broadway community. And oddly enough, I believe that performance much better the first time that I watched it. And... The second time that I watched it, everything was right. It just seemed more like someone acting. It seemed like someone was playing a role for me. But the first time, there were some unique elements to it that felt to me like this person at this moment cares more about performing this role. And I think no matter how great of an actor you are... um, you should care about performing that role for someone else to believe it. So you can like do everything right and technically uh, not have any errors in the way you're performing that role. But when you keep things personal to yourself and uh, are able to draw those lines, that's why sometimes, you know, once people get too um, involved in their process in getting to a role, I get a little bit nervous because I'm like... I've had this conversation. Um, I don't remember what the specific of it was, but uh, I was making this short film 
And this actor was like, oh, but like what you were saying goes completely against what we're taught. And I didn't, I obviously didn't say that, but in my head, I was like, well, like it's not a formula necessarily where it's in a book and you have to do exactly that. I'm sure those help, but maybe in this situation it doesn't apply and it would be more interesting to approach it this way. Um, so yeah, so how far do you think people should take their process and how, how uh, flexible are you with the things that you do to be able to get to a role? Yeah, I think this goes into just a comment on, you know, this isn't the comment of this isn't what we're taught. Um, I went to art school. I went and got a BFA in performing arts and I did the thing. And, you know, I easily could have not gone to college and, you know, gone out into it and just worked it and hustled. I could have started a YouTube channel. There's so many, you know, people I could have gotten on TikTok. I could have, you know, there's so many ways in which I could have gone about what I'm wanting to do. And for me, I chose going through a college because I wanted to have a toolbox, as they say, of things that I could rely on when it wasn't working or when I'm meeting a problem so that I could find different ways of problem solving. But you, you are right in saying that they are just tools, right? You know, to take it literally, like if the hammer is not putting the nail in, then you got to find something else that's going to complete the job, right? And so, again, it goes back to that concept of doing the work and then letting it go. Whatever your process is, whether that is just saying the lines out out loud endlessly until you step on set, if that means that you read every book about the topic that you're going to be living within, if that means creating a playlist for that character, if that means finding personal memories that you go into to, you know, tap into the resources of that character... Okay, but at the end of the day, it is our job to be on set and to say these lines and to bring that character to life. And if part of your process is keeping you from being able to do that, then it may behoove you to find a different way because you may come across a director like yourself that's like, yeah, no, I I hear you, but what we need to do in this scene is going to require something more, something different, something else. Um, and just being able to have the security and confidence to say, okay, I've done this work and what's a different way of looking at it is incredibly important. Um, because everybody has a different style. Everybody has a different way of working. And, you know, the same way that you have a different way of producing or directing or writing or whatever, you know, I have a different way of producing or acting and that kind of thing. And so, you know, when I walk into a room, it is not just about the work I've done. It's about the work the director's done. And then what my scene partners have done. I mean, if you think about like just doing like a, like a guest star on a TV show, right? You're on that day and that's it. And you may be in a scene with like three, one, five other people. You don't know what work they've done. Yet you have to be able to come together and in that moment, make it believable in the sense that you have been doing that forever. Right? Um, And I think that where, you know, the the actors who make that work for them are the ones who say, okay, I'm going to figure out what I want to do, do that work ahead of time. And then they come in and say, what's right in front of me and how can I blend that with mine? And you know, that's, that's just going to take flexibility and removing of the ego 
<laughs> you know, just letting that go and knowing that you are mutually working towards the same goals, um, not showcasing, yeah. oh, look how much I've done. Yeah, it's a lot about what you say, flexibility. It's because what we do is, and I sometimes I cringe um, because I, I just think like, it's true, like we are artists, but I just think it's such a, there's this like level of elegance to it and just like calling myself that sometimes and like, all right, like get off your high horse, I'm an artist. Um, well, it's true. Uh, but I think what we do is not math or it's not um, what a doctor would do where there are rules and formulas. Um, there are things that can help you. But remembering that art is heavily connected with life and things that happen every day. And we use the things that we see every day, if I think a good artist would do that, to improve their own craft. Um, and just remembering that, I think at least it helps me to remember what I've been taught maybe in film school or by a master class or whatever is right, but it won't apply everywhere. It's not science. It's not like it's this and only this. Um, and I think it would be some people maybe sometimes forget that and they mistake doing art for um, something more formulaic. I mean, no matter what you identify as within, you know, whether it's a, I am a director or I am an artist or whatever the case may be, it's a full spectrum as with everything. And as in everything, I think that it is a the key thing to remember is that it is a process. And because it is a process, as with everything in life, it is constantly l remembering that it's you are always going to be learning. It's never finished. You know, yeah. something that is working for me today on this project with this character is going to innately be different the next time. You know, even if I have the same three, four things that I kind of check into and I, whenever I get a script, that's immediately what I go and do. There's going to be different things that resonate with me. And if I said, no, this is what I must do, that, that may work for other people. That may work for other people. But for me... It puts you in a box. It puts... That's exactly it. You know, it puts me in a box and... While it is my job, because I do identify as an artist, I identify as a performing artist, that sense of creativity comes in my work, in the prep work, you know, with it. And sometimes it's good to have some confinements, you know, some walls and barriers to say, all right, we're, we're not going to steer that far, um, you know, with a different project. But even within those confines, there is a whole sandbox in which for you to work. You know, that image is used a ton within school, but it is so true. Um, you know, you, you have to be willing to say, mm, that didn't work this time. Or, wow, what I've been doing just isn't working anymore. Or to say that what I thought was so wrong, it, it helped in this moment, right? I, I used to yeah. be vehemently, I'm not saying that word right, um, against any memory work any work in which I took from my own Burke's life and put into, you know, a character. Just because I thought that's a line I don't want to cross. I personally don't think that, I think that method acting, the American method acting often becomes very masturbatory and it just kind of becomes, you know, like all about like showing instead of living. 
And so I've always had a great hesitation with doing it. But, you know, then there are some times where it's like, I need something that really quickly just checks me in. And as long as I can work with that memory and I can work with the, the things that come with that and a way in which that allows me to check in and check out of my job and, and do that thing, if that's going to help me here, great. And so sometimes, it, like when I'm working on a character, I'll be working on relationships and I'll be like, this, kind, this person reminds me of the essence of this person I know or this person I've worked with. Just as a, maybe that's who I visualize, maybe that's who I'm just taking pieces from, but whatever helps you get there, as long as you're able to go on set and respect other people's process and yours, and then know that I'm going to learn. Sometimes I'm going to get on set and be told that was wrong. And mm -hmm. just remembering to meet that and say, thank you for the note. I'll work to learn that better or work that differently is, is going to help you in all forms, not just this art form. I think it helps you understand the role. Even as you say, like um, going to method and trying to be that character, um, uh, I think even if not taking it to that extent, for example, watching a movie, right? You may watch a movie and really connect with it. You don't connect with it because that's exactly your life story. You connect with it because you see elements of your feelings or things that have happened to you in that movie. Um, similarly, I think for an actor, um, it helps a lot to read a script and see parts of yourself in it or experiences that uh, may be common or just even tiny elements. Um, I think it helps an actor stay, uh, maybe make very micro decisions that will make that role more believable. Um, I'm, I don't, I'm definitely not an actor, but I have a little bit of an experience. And I think that's important for anyone who does directing to do some acting, just so um, they know at least a little bit as to what goes on on the other side. Totally. Uh, but I also wanted to uh, look at from this way. Have you ever dealt with a director where they're trying to go the way that's taught in textbooks? So they're like, hey, Burke, um, the scene is about this person that went through this, that now they're going through this. Their emotional state of is this way. So this is really getting you from point B to C. And in your mind, you're like, all right, just like get to what you're trying to <laughs> uh, get out of this scene. Like you're painting this huge picture. Um, where do you think that fine line is as an actor receiving direction from a director? Because, you know, obviously you don't want to go to someone and be like, all right, Burke, I don't think you were sad enough. Just, like, do it better. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, so that's one extreme of it. But the other one is, like, trying to paint this one-hour-long uh, image about this shot or this scene. Um, so I'm curious, as an actor, uh, what goes in your head when you receive different directions? And yeah. what's that fine line to you? Yeah, before I forget, just last comment on your last bit of it, at the end of the day, it is just acting, like just act. I think if you look between the British and the American, there's a, you know, there's a great story of like, you know, the American actor who's, you know, really, you know, held himself in a room all by himself, no food for three days. And then the other actor walks on fresh and ready to yes. go. And yet they're able to play the same, you know, two brothers in the scene or whatever. And the other act, British actor is just like, just act. At the end of the day, it's just, you know, say the words and go forth. You know, Mamet has a, a great book on that. But um, yes, in terms of direction, I think that for me, the best direction is one in which there are two parties working together to find a solution. Um, 
Sometimes uh, there is an image in a director's mind, you've storyboarded it, that says, like, I need tears at this point. I need you to cry. And there are some actors, God bless Julianne Moore, who can just, like, cry on a dime, and they can just waterwork it. For me, I just can't do that. I can get myself there, but it, it is not instantaneous by any means. And I just have to figure out different ways of going into it. So if I get into a scene in which it's like, all right, we need uh, a burst of rage here. It's talking about what are, what are different ways of looking at that rage. You may have an image of like flipping a table, but you know, there are intense moments of rage that occur in oral science, silence. You know, there are intense moments of love that occur in the, you know, twisting of a ring or a look at a watch or, you know, any moment can can produce that emotion, emotion that you're looking for. And I think that for me, I have found that when I attempt to play the emotion, when I read a script and I see it says cry, my brain immediately is trying to manifest this sense of like, okay, I have to work myself up. And then the scene becomes about this emotion. When in reality, the scene is about, you know, the certain amount of people with these circumstances coming together, having a piece of conflict and some, you know, two of different objectives clashing, what's coming out of it. And the thing that comes out of it is that space between all those lines. It's, you know, I, I was reading an audition the other day and I knew that reading it, there was an emotional eclipse that occurred at the climax of the scene, but they did not specify what it was. And it was so liberating as an actor to be able to read that and let my own experience and my own process allow that to be whatever it was. Now, at the end of the day, you may need it to be tears. And then it's about, okay, if I'm not getting that from you, is there a way that we can fake the tears? Is there a way that we can, you know, whatever the case may be, let's find other solutions. But in terms of being on set when there is a note, talking about it in the form of images, instead of saying, all right, I need you to be angry. It's like, I need, you know, we're looking for something that, you know, the stakes are raised. You know, finding that language that the actor is going to best work with. And, you know, as a director, being able to take the technical jargon of you looking for beats in a story and translate it to, um, you know, more like a, a ball of clay. There's, it's, it's more flexible. It's, you know, it lives where many different possibilities can happen. And I have found not only my personal, but just watching other directors work with other actors when they work in that space, the results are so much more intriguing, interesting, unique, and truthful and honest because they were not scripted they were possibly all within the same spectrum of a quote-unquote emotion, but they are true to that exact moment rather than mm -hmm. us working to get to what we've all have different images of what tears look like, you know? Yeah. What do you do when something doesn't make sense to you? And no matter how much you talk about it with the um, director it still is, doesn't make sense to you or that certain beat doesn't make sense to you, what you were supposed to do. How, how do you go about that? I think at the end of the day, you just have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. And when you make that choice, make it a strong one and go 110%. You know, I, they, uh, this has come from many different people, but they always talk about there's one part in an audition or a, a play that all, that line always troubles you up and always like, you know, 
bumps you. You can never remember it. Whenever you get there, you almost always catch your breath because you're like, oh, I'm going to mess up those two words. You know, there's always something there. And when you figure that part out, you found the character, right? So sometimes that, that beat where you just don't get it and the director hasn't figured out how to explain it to you and you guys just, I just aren't coming to get together on that moment. When you do find it, it will be wonderful. But ways in which I find to get there is like make a big choice and then at least they can go, well, not that, <laughs> you know, like maybe a little less, you know, because sometimes talking about it isn't, at the end of the day, you have to actually be able to do it. And talking about it is just pointing at the thing. It will never articulate the thing. And so if talking about it isn't working, then let's just start making choices and let's see what works and what doesn't. And then also let's remember that editing has such a huge hand in this. For sure. You know, yeah. I could give you nothing and you could give me an Oscar winning performance. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Um, so editing has such a huge, huge part in that to play as well. So sometimes it's just about saying, okay, I'm not finding it. We'll find other ways, you know, um, right. visually to present this. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the one line. I, I once had to do, uh, had to act for a commercial. And at the end of it, um, I had to come out of this, uh, oh, I was talking to someone on the phone, right? And then this person was in front of me and the physical location of the scene was also in front of me. But in the script, the line was, hey, look up. And it never made sense to me why it's, hey, look up. And I was like, this makes absolutely no sense. So, you know, I, I tried it a hundred different times and one of them was used, but um sometimes yeah. it's about like yeah, saying like somebody somebody didn't <laughs> or they visualized it just completely differently it, there's no right or wrong it's just they visualize yeah. it completely differently so if i saw something like that my brain would go okay so i just know that i have to be looking down in a way by this point in this <laughs> argument you know hardly ever as humans are we keeping the constant eye contact so it's like okay at this moment i need to find justification for me to get to looking at my watch or looking at my phone you know just trying to find solutions to to justify the moment sometimes you know it can feel tedious but that that inner work <laughs> is going to benefit the whole project it's going to make it feel so much more natural if you can solve those those things that are like especially if the writer's like no i'm not changing that then okay yeah all right i'll respect your yeah, art if you respect change. mine i just got to figure out how to make <laughs> it work then mm -hmm. you're your own um, ally yeah i'm also so you basically um, were able to do something that, you know, it's a lot of people's dream, I think, to go to an acting school and then get, uh, get a Broadway role, right? Um, it, you know, I'm sure in acting school, some, someone may ask like, hey, like, what do you want to do? And they're like, I want to get on Broadway. And I'm like, huh, that's cute. Like, that'll take, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all right. Um, I hope you get to that one day. Um, but what was that transition like? What did it feel like? What did you, you know, I'm sure it was a surreal experience. And I'm curious as to what felt very different where you're like, whoa, like this is, um, this is a different experience. And what did you learn? Well, I think the hardest or the thing that caused the most surreal aspect of it was that I, I just really, and I was working hard and I had goals and I was going 110% at them, but I also 
was fully living in the the very possible reality that like you know this business is uh, is abusive in a lot of different ways and you know they say it takes 20 years to make a good actor that's not a working actor that's just a good actor somebody who's like really become comfortable in their craft so i kind of marked it in my head that like i was possibly not going to get anything acting related for 20 years you know and so to come out of to graduate and then you know a couple months later have an unbelievable opportunity just to even audition for a broadway show while not being in new york at the time i was back home in virginia um to have a self-tape for a theater production at, at that point it was just like awesome here we go once i got into it it just became like varying levels of i'm just thankful to be here we're like really trying to remember that because if i was to really take in the full fact that you know of like the caliber of actors that i was in the rooms with the caliber of directors and producers and theater companies that i was in the room with you know that could if i thought only about that i would never have been able to do the work that was required so i mean luckily with scad i was you know we with the film festivals there and the different master classes you know i had a sense of like experience being in rooms with people like that and then just being able to say okay let's remember what this is really about and so when i came and started rehearsals it was really trying to just be as best as I could be knowing that I was going to have to, I, there was going to be a huge learning curve. And there was, I mean, the main difference completely on and totally honest, there's a difference, a incredible difference between somebody who has been acting for five, 10 years and somebody who has been doing this craft for 40 plus years. There is just a different energy in the room. There is a different way that they look at you. There's a different way that they respond. And <laughs> to be in that space um, and to work with somebody like that day in and day out, yeah, immediately ha you have to up your game. There's there's a definite and immediate sense. It's like, oh, well, okay, that's different. It's different than somebody who, you know, is your age and you guys are in your fourth year of college, right? It's just no matter how quote-unquote talented you are no matter how much work you've done there is just something different about you know the longer that you work in this craft the the more comfortable and the more intel you know intelligent you will be within it um so i say i would say that that was just the biggest thing and then all the things that come when was the first time you noticed that that like oh that's that's the big difference was there a specific instance that made me made you realize that i mean uh, the show that I was in, um, the Rose Tattoo, is made up of a, a bunch of individual scenes or vignettes with different characters coming in and out. Um, and most of my time was spent with um, my scene partner, um, who played the character of Rosa, Ella Rubin. Um, and so it was mainly just us. And Ella, you know, was around my age. She was a little bit younger. Um, so we were kind of peers in that regard, but even still, I mean, Ella had been, you know, auditioning, you know, for film TV and been working in that industry since, you know, for like years at that point, right? Like was, even though she was, you know, one or two years younger than me, like she was m much more experienced. <laughs> she is much more experienced in terms of like being in New York and doing this thing. Right. So even there, there was just a sense of like, at that point it was just about, okay. 
I'm working with somebody who is very much professional and who has very much has figured out their craft and is learn, you know, learning their craft too. Okay, how can I work with that? And then stepping into the room um, with one one part of my scene was uh, was with with the lead of the show, um, Marissa Tomei, and I mean, quite literally, the first time that we stepped on and we're like, okay, we're gonna do the, we're gonna run the scene, or we're just gonna, you know, hold the scripts and we're just gonna, you know, speak it out loud. I mean, e- honestly, even in our first read through of the script, there was just a different way that it was presented and. Luckily, did I mean? Of course, there's intimidation stuff that comes in with that. There's there's a sense of like, oh god, I I'm not gonna be able to do that. But realizing that you have to do it was just like, okay, I can't spend my time worrying about that. I need to just come in and give whatever I can give. And leaning into that, leaning into the fact that it's like you don't have to know everything. Leaning into the fact that it was like I never am gonna know everything. Leaning into the fact that I don't have as much experience as these people around me. But I, by God, I'm going to learn as much as I can. I'm going to absorb as much as I can. That benefited me in the long run. Um, so no matter where it started, by the end, I mean, those scenes were breathing full moments, full present interactions between people. In which, you know, going back to your thing of it, like, you know, how do you do it every single day? Like, every single time I was on stage with those people, you know, even if I wasn't on stage with those people, but just like backstage watching them prep, you know, or hearing them on stage, it was always different because they were always bringing something new because they were being present in that space and just having to to work to get to that level um, was 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 definitely the the biggest thing for, uh, for sure. So yeah, thankful um, for it, this, honestly. Like, I mean, it's like it's like fifty master classes in one scene work. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. It, like, school is great, and you have lovely safe spaces to to work within and different mentors. But every single job is 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 going to be a master class uh, because it will be real. You have to do the thing, and you have to to go about it. Um, so, just super thankful for that for that whole thing. There's one thing I tell my friends when we're talking about important decisions to make. I call it the water slide technique. Um, and I don't know why that's the picture I have in my mind. But my reasoning for it is sometimes you're in this in a big situation and it's scary. But if you're worried and you're scared of it, you'll never do it. It's like going on top of a really, really tall water slide and looking down from up there and just not being able to go on it because you look down and it's scary. But for a second, I think you got to stop thinking and just do it. And once you're already on the water slide, there's no going back. Yes. You're just going down. Absolutely. That, is a, that um, is a perfect way of looking about it. I always think of more dramatically of like jumping off the cliff into you know, the water or whatever. But the slide is so much nicer. It's so it's a much gentler understanding of it. Um, that's- I, I just grew up somewhere where they had a lot of water parks. So sometimes <laughs> um, I would go on like the tallest water slide because my friends would be more uh, of like more reckless than I was and they would go on it and I was the last one and I would stand there and look down and be like well if I just keep looking down and thinking about it I'll probably go back down so I would stop thinking and just like command my body to do it and once I'm on it I know I'm on it um because someone being in your situation um I'm sure there two things can happen uh, one, you can just be intimidated and scared and that can 
other people will start picking up on that and be like, oh, you know what? Maybe this guy was too green. Uh, we shouldn't have done this. But then um, the more difficult but right way to do it maybe is to uh, use that intimidation as fuel to be like, I got to step up to that level. Maybe I won't get to that level, probably, but uh, I got to close the gap. Um, totally. So Totally. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think uh, that it's like... There's so many quotes that, you know, summarizes, but like, you know, if you do not even try, if you don't even attempt to go for it, you are never, there's no possibility of you succeeding in it. Right. Um, and so very quickly that just, it just mandated like, there's, this is everything that I've wanted for a while now. And I now have the opportunity. I'm just going to take advantage of that opportunity. And luckily I was surrounded by a bunch of people, um, all who are incredibly, you know, hardworking, talented individuals who are fantastic at this craft, who are willing to say, no, you're in the room. You're in the space. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, I've just been so lucky to be around people like Tina Banco, you know, Cassie. It's just like all these people, all these people um, who have shown in varying capacities, like, you know, maybe they weren't necessarily playing the lead, but like, I just think of like Tina Benko was was um, uh, an understudy um, in in the Rose Tattoo, and due to the circumstances, kind of quickly had to go in. And watching an actor who really uh, didn't have as much time to prepare as um, she should have had, to watch that actor do exactly that, see the water slide. And know that I have, I have 24 hours, and I can decide exactly what I'm going to do with that time. I have 12 hours. I'm, I know. Ex- I, I have a choice. Am I going to start on the slide right now, or am I going to walk away, or am I going to try to find a different way? And every single time, those people who have just time in, time out, everybody in that show, they always got on the slide. And I think that that is the huge difference. You know, you are going to have bad days. You know, you like. There are going to be times where you're just like, I, I don't want to do this. Or you've had two show days and the first one went, in your opinion, terrible. And you have to go back and do it again. You must get back on the horse. You must go back down the slide. Um, and just, I mean, in that show in particular, um, everybody did that time and time again. But um, witnessing it makes it a lot easier to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, witnessing it is, is definitely beneficial. Why do you think um, there's a more universal perspective to a good performance versus something like a good movie or a good show? So there could be a movie or a TV show that I love and I think is perfect and you just hate and you think it's the worst thing in the world. But when it comes to performances, it's usually a more universal uh, perception of that actor playing that role. Where do you think, why do you think that is? Well, I, I'm i not sure I agree with that, Farham. Um, really? I, you don't? I don't think so. I think that, I think that a movie or a show or anything, any form of art can present, can set you up for a presentation, right? Can set you up for a moment, can set you up for the thing. And it definitely takes, you know, the performer to be able to, hit, you know, step up to the plate you know, hit the ball that has been, you know, tossed to them. Right. Um, yeah. And that, so by no means am I going to ever talk down, you know, the craft, but I will say that like, 
I mean, if you look at any review, there's, I mean, even if a grand majority of people love it, there are going to be so many people that hate it. And you could argue some are going to hate it just because it's popular, right? You know, some people are going to hate it because they just don't like that person, you know, but you know, I, you can, I, I can watch somebody and say, wow, they've really done their craft. Well, I can see that they are really good at it, but I don't agree with their choices. But that at the end of the day is still an opinion. Like they made the best choices that they could do in that situation. There are so many things, as you know, behind the scenes that are going on that you're having to problem solve and figure out. But yeah, I, I, I don't, I think that there are definitely people that we go, no matter what they do, is going to be great, right? I think there's that there's that persona with like Tom Hanks or Meryl Streep or, you know, any number of people who have consistently done what we all as a society have deemed good work. But sometimes they can be bad. Sometimes they can be great. So, you know, everybody has that potential. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I, I stand with that. But if, if you have a specific example that you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, so w- what I think... I think that everyone can have different opinions and there's always going to be different opinions. I'm just saying, I feel like people's views on a product as a complete package can be more polarizing than a specific performance. So, you know, when someone, there are a lot of great actors, but sometimes they do something that just completely stands out and they're like, wow, that was one of the greatest performances usually there's more of a general consensus that everyone's like, you know what? That movie sucked, but that performance is great. <laughs> yeah. You know, or, uh, you know, I really love that movie, but that one person, I don't think they were maybe the right pick for that role. So I usually find more people agreeing over performances and the quality of that performance rather than the complete uh, movie or TV show or uh, theater um, play. Interesting. I I mean, uh, you still you still don't agree with that. I, I think that I would just have to look for that. I th- I still think that that in and of itself is is uh, a, a varying opinion. But I get. I mean, I'm in an attempt to find a rationalization for that. Um, to answer your question, I would probably hit along the lines of. I think maybe. I think we acting is kind of this like mythical creature, you know, actors, particularly ones who um, we've seen in a lot of work, but on, you know, even just, you know, new actors that we've never seen before. Um, There's a mythical essence about it. I think it shows itself up when people watch. I I have not personally seen Bridgerton yet, but like people love that couple right now and they cannot are normal people. They cannot believe that those two people aren't actually in an intimate relationship with each other. Yet they're, you know, off doing their own thing with other people and they are friends and they are co-workers, right? I think we we put acting into this kind of like mythical snow globe in which it is above the natural human state. And so I think that maybe there is a little bit more flexibility in that or maybe just more polarizing effect in that. Like, you know, maybe you can you can look at the other choices and like with a film, it's like, well, if they shot it that way, that was a choice. They chose the film that way. And if I don't like that, then I may not like how this whole film was set up. But even still, I connected on a human level to that performance. Right? Or, you know, wow, the, you know, 
aspect ratio was perfectly you know used to tell this story shout out to kai that is my guy i love that dude um you know there's the perfect aspect ratio for this story in this moment and it presented the performance so well it worked in tandem with it i think people and this happens on stage two right the actors are just one part of the puzzle we are the ones who are maybe out in front and we come out and do the thing. But there are so many unbelievably talented and hardworking people who are sitting just below the stage making sure that you look good on stage, making sure that the prop is set perfectly and that the AC is on so that your audience actually wants to watch you. You know what I'm saying? I think that even still there's a public eye towards the actor because we see them. We see them and we feel like we have a relationship with them, which I think is a power of the art. But that's what we can understand. The other things, depending on your language and experience with exploring those things, you know, somebody who may have zero understanding of cinematography is not going to be able to have an analyzed look or appreciation for what's happening from that standpoint as, say, you would or Kai would. You know, I, I would say that that maybe is why, because the mass, the masses, the public, the general public has a much easier way of connecting to the people that they see on screen rather than the technical elements um, that they may or may I not think that's have a good answer. With it. I think that's a good answer. Um, and um, I'm sure you have, you know, it's your life, so there's a <laughs> lot of answers to it. But um, I want to ask, what attracts you to acting? Uh, what attracts me to acting? If you, if, you had to, if you had to simplify the main reasons in your heart that makes acting special to you. I am such a type A person. I am I am very much a planner. I think I present as type B, but I very much am like overthinking everything and like looking back and analyzing again and again and again and I have a hard time letting go. And I think that performing is such an act of letting go. It is the complete extreme of that. It is stepping into the fear time and time again. There's so much risk involved. You can plan everything and nothing will happen that you planned, but it will still be, you know, it just, it's, it's stepping into the space between, <laughs> this is going to get out of you, <laughs> but you know, it's like, for me, it is, is really like a, a metaphysical experience. It's like stepping in between life and death, right? That space of that catching of breath when you've seen somebody that you love, you know, it's that. It's all those moments where we're just caught off guard and we never planned or we can't, we desperately are attempting to articulate in all of our art forms. Acting is that, you know, in a grand sense is, is being thrown into that space time and time again. No matter how big, you know, your role is or no matter what part it has to do. Having a job that allows me to do that time and time again, that allows me to step in and meet myself and meet so many different kinds of people and human experiences. It's an extremely humbling experience. Um, it, you know, demands that you be present. It demands that you have relationships, not only with your scene partners, but with the crew and with the audience members. You know, it, it demands so much of you that um, when you are really at the core, just with it, saying the lines and doing it, um, it's, it can be one of the most freeing experiences. And I guess the constant goal is like once you've had that taste, you're you're constantly searching for it again because, you know, it's something that you can't re uh, replicate with anything of substance. So, um, yeah. 
yeah, it's just it's a very it's a very life giving source, and I think you know that's found not just in acting. I think that's you know I find that within other artistic elements, they just present in a different way, a less maybe uh, vocal and physical way, whereas acting is mm-hmm. is utilizing all of those things that it is to be a human. Yeah, and and I asked you that because just in the way that you talk about acting, I can sense passion and i think there are people (laughs) who are uh, because uh, you know because of um both you and i have gone to scad and we were surrounded by artists or people who uh want to pursue artisan career um and a lot of them are good at what they do but when you talk about them sometimes you don't see the passion or the fire in the way they talk about that thing they talk a bit more like oh like yeah this is what i do and this is how i do it it seems very, it lacks, um, I don't know what the right word for it, but it lacks heart in the way they talk about it. And I think that differentiates the extent that someone goes to pursue that craft that they want to perfect in their lives. Uh, like someone may get to a point and be like, you know what, I got a job and what I wanted, it's, it's good. I get paid. Um, I'm uh, content. And just reaching that level of complacency i think is such a dangerous spot for people who do art because uh it just stops you from it, it makes you forget the reason why you got into something it m- makes you think that you know it's good enough and and uh, i love the movie whiplash it's my favorite movie of <laughs> all time and there's this one dialogue in it and it says there are no two words in the english language more harmful than good job and i love that um which brings me to uh and this is the only scripted part of when i talk to people and i know it's a hard question but one should pop in your head but what's your favorite movie of all time oh my gosh i should have known you were gonna ask that oh god one should pop in your head and it your answer may change an hour from now, but that one that comes in your head. The one that I always say, or not that I always say, but the two that always just kind of seem to be what I kind of rely on, um, that I always fall back to is uh, Drive with uh, Ryan Gosling okay. and uh, Moonrise, Moonrise Kingdom, Wes Anderson. Um, okay. Yeah, those two, those two. It's hard to explain. I, I've only seen Drive once. I saw it freshman year of college, you know, in a dorm room projected on a bed sheet. Uh, not like the best viewing experience, right? In terms of like, you know, you're not in the theater and you're surrounded by the sound. But I viscerally remember watching that movie and being deeply affected by it, but having no language in order to articulate that feeling. And then with Moonrise Kingdom, I mean, Wes Anderson does this in a lot of stuff, but it's adults. In this case, you know, children too, but there's so much play that is happening. And so there's still that sense of like a visceral connection. There's still a sense of all, all these things are occurring, but I walked away just feeling like as a viewer, I played, which I think is such a gift, you know, that you, I didn't move. I watched this movie. I listened. I just observed, right. You presented, you guys did the work yet. Somehow I walk away feeling like I played, um, so yeah, definitely those two movies uh, pop into my head. But two, your your comment on the, on you know sometimes you know where's the heart, where's the where's the passion in it? I think 
while I totally identify with that quote, I totally identify with that quote. I think that I, I kind of try to hold myself to that standard. I think too, it's, it's so important to remember that I, like everybody has their art, everybody, whether they identify as an artist or not. I think the person who, you know, walks in and does people's taxes, if that's the thing that brings you joy, love, all of it, if that's what like gets you up in the day, then hell yeah, fucking do it. Do the thing. If doing those taxes is helping you to go fishing every weekend and that's the thing that gets you going, then do it. You know, it just it doesn't have to be, you know, an actor that's on the big screen and everybody knows the name and everybody knows their dating history. You know, they know all about them and they have like 5 billion followers on Instagram or whatever it is. Like that, that doesn't have to be your dream. You know, what, what can be the dream is that, oh, I got to act today, right? I got to get up and think about a character and step into somebody's head today. It could literally be that I got to go and sit with a flower today and draw that flower. You know, we have very traditional expressions of art, and those are, of course, there. But I think that the person who is, you know, uh, who goes about their job, there's a great, oh, what's it, the Martin Luther King Jr. quote where it's the street sweeper, right? It's like, you know, if that street sweeper sweeps that street so that the eyes or the ears and the, the mouths of God look down and say, there stood that street sweeper. That's how you should be living life. And I know that that is so idealized. I know that it's so easy for me to say that because, you know, I'm going down a path that is doing that. But let me tell you from this path, like, yes, I had a great experience and I was so lucky to get on Broadway very quickly. But like, it didn't just stop there. Like I now have, I'm still auditioning. I'm still trying to find the next thing. And it's going to be like that for my life. But the thing that makes it worth it, the thing that makes the unknown worth it is the fact that this brings me so much joy. I can't imagine not doing it. I can never imagine being behind a desk. Somebody could. And I, I think that no matter what you do, even if it means that you go down a path and then realize, ooh, that's not it. Actually, you know, being a parent and staying home is exactly what I need to do to bring joy into this life. Whatever you can give in that, I think that is what is important. And so when I see people that it just seems like it's not happening. I just hope, 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 hope for their sake that whether it is this thing and just a reframing of that thing or whether it's something else, I, I sincerely hope that you give credence and importance to that thing. Because if you do not, you're, you're just, you're just, you're keeping yourself from a whole part of life and yourself. Um, and if, and if you do step into it, no matter what it is, no matter what your art form is, you will be giving a gift to the world. You will bring joy into somebody's life. Can you imagine Wes Anderson said, yeah. film's not for me? Sorry, that's not the thing. That's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go to business school and like, you know, do this, right. this, and this. And gosh, I hope Wes Anderson had so much fun doing that film because I was able as a viewer to be touched by that in such a way. So that's, that's all I can hope for. Is that no matter whether it's acting or whether it's, you know, music or whether it's, you know, uh, performance art or, you know, directing or producing or whatever it is that I do, I, I think all I can hope for is that somebody somewhere got something from it. Whether, you know, no matter where that lies on the spectrum, I can't decide. But, um. For sure. Yeah. 
All right, man. This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, this has been so, this has been fantastic. I, I appreciate you. you giving the, yeah. the time and space, and I look forward to hearing more of them.